Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a packed show for you tonight. So much for 2021. We thought we'd get a little bit of a breather at the beginning of the year. People would have an opportunity to relax and make some more uh, uplifting resolutions. Instead, we are fresh out of the gate with controversy, with contentiousness and with the type of conflict that characterized much of 2020. But let's get right into it. Let's see if we can get a handle on what's going on. Let's talk about the headlines and let's also see if we can find a bit of a silver lining. We are challenged on this show to always bring you that. So one thing everybody is talking about today is we have 11 days left in President Trump's administration. That doesn't sound like a lot of time yet. It has been characterized since Wednesday's events as a removal ceremony. How can the president be removed? That has dominated much of what's been discussed at Congress. Now, only among the Republicans in the sense that you do have some members talking about whether or not they would be open to another impeachment. That's right, a second impeachment with 11 days left in the presidency. So one thing I want to talk about just briefly, if not simply to dismiss it as an academic argument at this point, is Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Now, this is the amendment that basically if it were ever used, which it won't be because uh, Vice President Pence has no appetite for using it, but this would be the provision where you would involuntarily remove a president because he or she is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office. That's the language. Now, because it's never been used, at least not used other than being unconscious for a surgery or some other almost a cooperative or collaborative effort to make sure somebody is in charge during a brief period of unconsciousness, there really isn't any precedent as to what unable to discharge those powers and duty means. That's the problem when something's never been used before is it's hard to imagine or envision what it would look like if for the very first time with 11 days left, it were to be used here. But again, since the vice president has to be on board and he's not, there is the discussion of a second impeachment. Now, even that is problematic because with 11 days, even if you did have an impeachment in the House, having enough members there to vote that through, you wouldn't have a trial in the Senate. There's not time for it. And even if you had, you probably would never get the two-thirds majority to actually have a conviction, which, of course, would be necessary for the president not to be able to hold public office in the future. So you understand sort of the impetus be behind why um, Democrats might believe uh, this is something that they want to do and the rationale behind why they're trying. But we also have to look at practical realities with 11 days left. And, you know, Larry, one of the things that you and I discuss a lot on the show is, you know, we understand maybe something is an emotional reaction, but not a practical solution. I mean, do you see this whole impeachment conversation as falling into that category? I do. I think it's more optics than anything else, Wendy. 
they, they just don't have time to do it. It would start in the House, and I think Nancy Pelosi is drafting up the articles of impeachment. First of all, there's never been a president who has been impeached twice. And, of course, we remember back in December and January, December 2019 and January 2020, they tried and failed. They, they got the impeachment going, but this, it, was, it was dead on arrival in the Senate, so it didn't happen. That was the same time, interestingly enough, that COVID hit. Uh, right mm. at that same exact time when they were trying to impeach the president. So this will be a second time around. It would have to go to the Senate. The Senate would need uh, two-thirds votes in favor of it. Two-thirds, that's what, 67 senators, right? And I just you know, don't and, think it's going to happen. Because, it's two, because you need two-thirds, and I do understand, and I've been following in the news like everybody else, that there have been some, very few, though, Republicans that have even insinuated they might consider and that's pretty much the way they phrased it, that they might consider uh, listening, reading, uh, being open to, you've heard it expressed different ways, uh, such a thing, certainly not enough to reach a two-thirds threshold. So the question I know that a lot of Americans are asking, even Americans that are, are just absolutely horrified, as most Americans are, by what happened at the Capitol last week, is they also are being impacted by COVID. They're being impacted by healthcare costs and by all the other kitchen table issues we talk about on the show so frequently that they are questioning whether or not Congress shouldn't be focused on those issues that directly impact their lives instead of going after the president with 11 days to go. Of course, they should be focused in on that. And if you want to jump over to COVID really quickly, this just came in New York Bill A416. Introduced on January 6, 2021. That's the same day they had the rally in the situation in the Capitol. Well, what that bill would do in New York, it would basically, if they determine the governor or one of his delegates that you have COVID or you are suspected of having that or anybody in your house could have that, they can take your children away and put you in a facility, whether that be a hospital or a camp. They can take you away and you have to petition to get out of that facility or camp. Now, I don't know if that's going to pass. I hope it never would. But that's the state of thinking now. It seems like this total control is going down. And that brings up what could be, Wendy, in my opinion, one of the biggest stories of the entire year. And that's freedom of speech. My goodness, freedom of speech, the First Amendment. Are we still talking about that? Yes, we are. Because they permanently banned yesterday, Friday, uh, President Trump for life on Twitter. Facebook deleted pages from that walk away movement. That's a, a conservative movement that's going on. They mm-hmm. deleted President uh, Trump's uh, Facebook account and Instagram. has he's, They suspended him on Instagram. Now, Instagram is owned by Facebook. I don't know if everybody knows that. Uh, Reddit bans pro Donald Trump forum. Uh, emails from conservatives are being banned left and right. Apple computer threatens to ban anybody that's going to jump over to Parler. They're going to ban Parler. They're talking about it. Let's put it that way. From the App Store, Twitter purges General Michael Flynn's account. But check this out, Wendy. Rick, uh, his name is Rick Klein. He's the political director for the far left ABC News. He openly is calling for a cleansing of Trump supporters. And people in the audience, if you have any idea what they're talking about with cleansing, that's eradication. Now, what have we come to? You know, and all of this, Larry, is going on at a time when there are plenty of Americans that would really rather both sides unite in pursuit of a peaceful transition of power. 
Amen. You know, we've had a, a very tough time in 2020, both Republicans and Democrats and independents, all of us as the human race, we all suffered together and we all succeed together. And I know that many Americans probably would rather that Congress expend its efforts doing what Mike Pence said uh, later in the evening when they reconvened to certify the results of the election. Let's get back to work. The president came out the next day with a video saying the same thing. Let's facilitate a peaceful transition of power. Yes. I know it's very easy for everybody to get caught up in a lot of what's going on um, in society with respect to freedom of speech, with respect to some of the COVID restrictions and businesses losing money. There's a lot of negatives. And, you know, in trying to find a silver lining, we try to rise above the negatives and figure, you know, with the COVID scenario, as you've just described, with these controversial bills being discussed, if we can facilitate a, a peaceful transition of power, wouldn't it also allow us to have that spirit of cooperation and finding a, a quicker solution, whether it's vaccinating quicker, whether it's more effective vaccines? I know that there have been some stories we've been following in the news about side effects that are associated with each one. Um, the vaccine passport, which, of course, I hope we devote far more time on a yes. segment to than we, we have the ability to do today, um, traveling again, opening back up. You know, I was restarting the economy. These are issues that I know a lot of Americans would rather Congress work very hard on because I know they work around the clock. We know that they notoriously work through the night, literally until the next morning. But there simply aren't enough hours in the day to perhaps both go through an impeachment trial and uh, work towards facilitating a new administration taking over. That will hopefully also include a lot of a lot new a lot of new covid um, ideas, uh, vaccination ideas, you know, the types of things we need to reopen in 2021, as we've all planned to do for so many months. I know. Yeah, 100 percent. Hey, I just got this quick quote. Uh, see if you can uh, if you can guess who said this. If the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. That was George Washington. My goodness, this is yeah. this argument has been going on a long time. Yeah, it's um... well, isn't it interesting? It's been going on a long time and we seem to have seen the extremes yes. uh, in, in grand fashion, not just in other countries, but as you mentioned here as well. And, you know, this brings up the whole issue of what you should and shouldn't be able to say on social media and what type of fact checking should be done by the poster versus by the publisher or the editor or the platform. Exactly. And just quickly with that rally in uh was it Wednesday that was so peaceful and so loving? I have people, I have actually have friends that were at that event and they said there was another group of people that were dressed like Trump supporters, but you could tell by their spirit, their face and their, their slang, their, their cussing and so forth. They were not Trump people and they were mixed in. I would guarantee it. BLM and Antifa were mixed in with that audience. And I think they had a lot to do with that ruckus that happened at the Capitol building. We always, we always want to make sure our, as a red flag, we, we have, we're on the lookout for uh, attendees that attend a rally in riot gear. We saw a lot of that last year. We're seeing it again this year already. Um, we promise we're going to have more of a silver lining after we get back from the break. But please stay with us because we are going to be talking to an expert in election integrity, which is something that is still on the minds of many Americans and will no doubt continually be pursued because it's a bipartisan passion to have free and fair elections. Stick with us. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy.
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and Larry Dersham and I are continuing to discuss some of the hot topics of the day. We are still going to find a silver lining like we always do, but we would be remiss if we didn't discuss one of the things that is still on many Americans' minds, and that is making sure that now and in the future, we preserve the right to free and full elections. We want them to be fair. We want them to be Uh, legal, and we also want people to have that confidence when they go to the ballot box or when they mail it in or however they decide to vote. We have an expert with us tonight, I understand, Larry, that is fully invested in all of those issues, and it's going to help our listeners learn a little bit more about election integrity. Who do we have? Absolutely. Uh, Yes, Wendy, uh, today I'd like to introduce to our audience Ruth Weiss, and Ruth was a teacher, uh, English teacher and a Spanish teacher in high school. She's since retired, uh, but uh, she's been interested, become very interested in election integrity. And uh, right now, she is vice president and director, legislative oversight coordinator for the Southern Region of the Election Integrity Project, California. And she's doing amazing work out there, and she'll tell us a little bit about it. So welcome to the program, Ruth. Good to have you. No, thank you both. It's a pleasure to be here. Ruth, I have to ask you, you know, with a teaching with a teaching background as you have, you know, I know that's one of the most challenging jobs in the world. Um, I teach college. I moonlight in that respect and law school as well. But tell us a little bit about the the transition between your teaching career and uh, what you're involved in now. Well, I really loved teaching and I miss it a lot, but it was time to retire and um, I became aware of all I had started to get a little involved in, in politics after I had the time to do it. And my father was a history teacher, and so it was something that was always in my, in my home and in my life and in my blood. So I, was, I wasn't uh, completely out of it. But uh, as I began to get more involved, I found out that the Election Integrity Project had just started. It was just a month prior uh, they had filed their papers, and so I went to a presentation by them. And one of the things they needed was people to, to give the message and to do some speaking to groups and, and whatever. And I thought, well, that's right up my alley uh, from my teaching experience. And so I volunteered to work with them as a presenter. And one thing led to another, and I became San Diego County Coordinator and then Southern Region Coordinator and a member of the board. And now I have I wear three or four different hats in the organization, and, uh, and, and I've been with them now for 10 years. That's great. Hey, Ruth, I, I believe uh, that if we do not have freedom of speech, we basically have nothing as a country. But I also believe, and I've, I believe this so strongly, that if we don't have fair elections, we also have nothing as a country because we'll never be able to maintain our freedoms or whatever else. So my first question, and I'm thinking about Dominion voting systems, but if you don't want to talk about them specifically, uh, we can just talk about automated voting and all this electronic voting. I know San Diego County uses Dominion systems. I talked to the assistant to the registrar of voters for the county, and they confirmed they use Dominion here. But is what are the dangers with that? I worry so much that it, votes can be just dragged and dropped to different folders and so forth. Is there a danger there? 
There's a tremendous danger. Election Integrity Project California has been concerned about Dominion now for well over a year, um, and we became really aware of the of the problems. And we have a very uh, extensive and and professional team uh, in Ventura County that has undertaken a, a, a research project to, to learn all that they could about Dominion. Um, and they are these are people that have had degrees in in uh, IT degrees in they have worked in in um, national security and I mean these are real experts in the field. And the more they delved into it, the more concerned they got because there are just too many ways that these machines are vulnerable for outside influence and then internal manipulation as well. Um, one of the biggest concerns is that everything is proprietary to Dominion, which means that nobody, even the registrars of voters or anybody, can can verify what the software is doing because it, it they can't they can't get the uh, the the source code in order to get into the machine that belongs to Dominion and Dominion is. Um, you know, controlled by some foreign influence, which includes a lot of different countries, China, Syria, uh, a lot of places, and primarily Venezuela. And none of those places give us any confidence, right? right. Uh, and in fact, the Dominion system was created by, by um, Hugo Chavez with wow. the sole intent of having a voting system that on the surface the people would trust but underneath would be able to be manipulated in any way that he wanted to manipulate it to make sure he stayed in power. That was the, the whole genesis of the Dominion system. And, uh, you know, states Bruce. like Texas have rejected it twice because of the potential it has for manipulation. So we're very worried about it, yes. Ruth, one of the things that I know a lot of our, our listeners may have heard a lot about over the last several months has been exactly this, the electronic uh, opportunities uh, for fraud. But it really goes over a lot of people's heads to start thinking about the ways in which servers are all around the world and people are manipulating data from different places and all the, the allegations that we've heard. Um, and it's also true that, that those court cases weren't successful largely. But I also appreciate, as does Larry, that there are many reasons a lawsuit can be dismissed. I mean, one of the most uh, noteworthy ones was dismissed for lack of standing. In other words, it was never we never got to the merits. But simply regarding the allegations, I know that a lot of Americans would understand if you have somebody that's voting that shouldn't be allowed to vote or you have somebody attending um, a, a balloting in place that maybe already voted. Like They can understand those kinds of things and those things are easily caught on camera. But when you start talking about the electronic types of manipulation, I know a lot of people tune out just a little bit only because like you use the term source code. Most people don't know what that is. Is there a uh, sort of a way to maybe simplify for our listeners sort of the, the genesis behind the idea that so many votes could have been manipulated? Yeah, the, um, basically when I talk about source code, it means that there's no way for uh, for anybody to, to get into the machine and make sure that it is counting the votes the way they're cast. Um, and even though they do prior checks prior to the, the date that they're County, but I mean, there's so many ways to manipulate it, and we have seen um, across the country and even here in this state, uh, and that's part of our lawsuit, which was just filed, uh, we have seen um, people from uh, representatives from the Dominion company uh, in there while votes are being counted uh, with flash drives 
putting them into the system while the system is working, rebooting systems, and we have no idea what those flash drives contained or what they were doing. As you watched vote counts in November and now also in January in Georgia, you could watch on your screen as votes got manipulated. You could see vote totals going down instead of up. You could see votes switching from one candidate to the other. This was right in front of your face while they were covering, covering live vote counts. You could actually see moments in time where the vote total was presented to you with fractional counts. So mm. somebody would have 149.2 votes. And the only way that happens is that the machine is manipulated yes. to count these fractional votes so that slowly one candidate sucks votes away from another that might be winning. That's a big concern. And these machines that are Smartmatic and Dominion uh, have that capacity. And if it has that capacity, we shouldn't be using it. Well, now, what about uh, voter ID? Uh, At least on the federal elections, when you're voting for the president or for uh, senators or so forth, I think it's a good idea. What do you think about voter ID, Ruth? Well, uh, we've been uh, we've been proponents of voter ID for a, a very long time, provided it's a strong photo uh, voter ID. However, um, this recent move to push the the whole country into just voting by mail uh, kind of makes that a moot point. Mm. Uh, voter ID is most effective, of course, when you are showing up to the polls and voting in person and proving who you are. There are ways to make ID required as part of voting by mail, but it's more complicated and a little easier to manipulate. And voting by mail is the single most um, dangerous uh, move for election integrity that this country has ever made. And then, of course, you put these machines on top of that, and you have a very good reason for people to be mistrusting. And that is, that is death to a country that operates yes. on a democratic process. That's right. So uh, Ruth, absentee voting is okay, but when you have to request it, but that just blasting out these ballots to everybody, that's not a good idea, I don't think. And I don't think you precisely. think. Precisely. Yeah, right. Okay. No, we, we have always we have always said that we should go back to the absentee ballot, which is a ballot that you request election by election, and you prove that you need to have it, that you're not just voting by mail because you're being careless or because you're being flippant or because you're being lazy or whatever reason that that people have for that, and that that people ought to get up off of their chairs and go vote in person unless they have a really legitimate reason not to. And that would solve a lot of the problems right there, especially adding voter ID into that. You know, Ruth, we we grew up in an era where uh, voting day was almost a holiday. Sadly, it wasn't officially a holiday, so we had to strategize when we were going to go to our polling place. But people really enjoyed the sense of community and the sense of really fulfilling our civic duty. And it was almost an event. It, was, it wasn't it was something to simply be done at home uh, or, or done at night or done in our off time. But it, we really liked the, the whole idea of getting dressed up, going to the polls, even if even if it meant we had to stand in line. So, um, you know, it, it's wonderful that you're involved in this venture. Uh, I only have a few seconds left, but can you just give a shout out about what your website is in case people want to learn more? Right. Our website is eip-ca.com, eip-ca.com. Uh, click on the California uh, icon and you can read all about the loss that we have just filed. Um, the, some of the, the more important uh, media releases we have, we have put out 
since the election Terrific. and uh, you know, you. find out how you Thanks, can Thanks, Ruth. Thank you for uh, joining us and thank you to our listeners. We are wishing you a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.